0: Figuring Out the Right Way to Discuss Separation and Divorce with Women Concern for Parents. And as we've discussed on the show before, books can be an amazing tool to open up conversations about hard topics. Our guest today is Kimberly King, an award-winning author, child development professional, certified early childhood educator, and speaker. She has authored not one, but two children's books that deal with subjects that can be really difficult for parents to discuss with their kids. Her first book, I Said No, is a best-selling children's book about sexual abuse prevention. Her second book, which we will be discussing today, When Your Parents Divorce, is written as a kid-to-kid guide on separation and divorce. Kimberly is here with us today to discuss her own experience with divorce and how parents can tackle such complicated subject matter in a way that is both informative and appropriate for their kids. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Split.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: So I guess our first question would be what inspired you
1: to write when your parents divorced? So, um, I was originally inspired to write this book during one of the darkest times of my life during my divorce. So I had a very hard divorce. It started off fine and everybody got along. We did shared custody and things were going smoothly, but. A new partner got involved in my ex husband's situation and moved into the house quickly and then it was like a switch went off. And so there started to be a whole lot of real negative feelings, emotions and parent alienation crashed right into our family situation. And so this is basically like a collection of journal entries from my. Journal some of the things my kids have said and journaled about, and we've talked about, and we sort of put it all together in a book. And I, the thing about this book, it's funny. I never expected to write this book because I was brought up in a collaborative cooperative divorce. My parents got divorced when I was 12. So I never expected this to happen to me. And it, it just hit me from like left field. And so, you know, at one minute, you're you're married to your best friend and then you're divorced and that's sad, but you're still getting along and you just expect it to go the way that it went for your parents and it just fell apart. So it was part of my healing process and how we kind of got through it, so. Yeah,
0: yeah and I, I love, um that aspect, the journaling aspect of the book. Like I've never seen that before in a children's book where it says, you know, like write and reflect or jot down things that you maybe want to talk to mom or dad about and your feelings, like how, are, how empowering for, for a young kid to be able to do that and to explore their
1: feelings and, and discuss them with their parents that was sort of the point because I found that with my kids, especially one of them, they kept everything inside and then ended up blaming themselves for a lot of the problems. And they didn't want to talk about it. They just would go in their room and, you know, shut the door or avoid and they just, they were not in a space to talk. So during that time, my daughter in particular kept the journal and did a ton of writing and you know, she got a lot of her feelings out, and she looks back at it now and goes like, "Oh my, oh my gosh, I can't believe I felt that way." But she never told anybody, so we couldn't really get her the help that she needed when it was going on. So, um, I encourage in in all of my books, uh, there's talking points because I think that's one of the most important things for parents. Kids just don't come up and say, Hey, I'm upset because you guys are getting divorced. They just, maybe they'll like avoid you or they're, they'll get anxious or they'll go hang out with their friends. They'll do a million things before they want to confront this issue because it's so tough. And it's like a divorce is one of those relationships. It's, it's almost as bad as like having a relative die or, or a pet die. It's that traumatic for kids and as parents, we really don't know how to, how to talk with them either. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's why there's talking points and, you know, it's sort of divided into parts so that you can read a little bit and then chat and then read and chat. And then at the end of the divorce book is all those questions where, you know, you can really just get into some of the topics.
2: Yeah. I like the writing too, because I think we don't even as adults, like we're even told to try to journal and stuff because you don't actually even know what your feelings are. Right. It is that whole writing process that helps you to... To get it out with my exactly. girls um that was an important thing too we actually uh had these just little notebooks that we would pass back and forth so at night they would sometimes write me little letters and stuff oh. and it always would surprise me what they would write down compared to what they would say exactly it's, um, it's and i feel like that. i have a super open relationship with my girls right but yeah it's, it's very different so i think parents can assume sometimes like they're fine because they they're not talking to you they're not they're not seeming upset but when you hear sometimes what's in their little minds about it when they're writing it out it's very different
1: <sighs> it's very sad <laughs> but it, it's great that they write yeah. and they talk to you and uh, you know it, it, with the writing and with the talking eventually like we got to the point where we needed to get a family counselor involved to really process some of this stuff which was really important for my family.
0: And so what is the target
1: age group for the book then, Kimberly? So this book is probably appropriate for the five to 10-year-old and parents <laughs> because- when-
0: I was just going to say that, yeah, and let's encourage the parents to read <laughs> so looks- right along slide. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's kind of a read with book, and what I was hoping with this book is that like a dad or a mom would buy it, and they would read it together, and then- said dad who's, you know, rolling eyes and talking not nice things about mom might see some of his behavior in this book and go, oh, okay, I'm doing, you know, exhibit A over here. I'm making this divorce harder than it needs to be. And I'm causing some damage by doing the things that I'm doing. And oh, here's what it's supposed to look like. And maybe just have a little bit of, you know, self reflecting in a children's book, because parents need it just as (laughs) parents need it almost more than the kids. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's elementary school, but, you know, you can read this book, even if you're 12, 13, 14, it's, it's informative. It's Mm -hmm. got definitions, it's got scenarios. And I try to, you know, really bring it down to the level where a kid can understand that, yes, this is a divorce, but there was also something before the divorce. There was like a marriage and a couple, and there was... Happy memories, hopefully, and you know that's really important for kids in that age group to understand instead of just this whole like big dark divorce cloud. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you have this, there's this one part in the book where, um Just for our listeners, in case you haven't read it yourself, um, where basically the uh, child is saying, you know, mom or dad has always like they always say you should work things out, um, you know, not to give up. And then you see them thinking like, hmm, I guess they're hypocrites. And it's just like. I that's not something that I would like I necessarily expected to see in this book but I think it's yeah. real like you're so real in how it's written and I you know my daughter is still like very young so she'll always like she'll only remember life with us being split right. but like I would imagine that a kid between as you said five and nine years old might you know come back at you with that
2: right Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not, I liked the definitions too, because I didn't think of that in that, you know, if you say we're separating, what Mm -hmm. do kids understand about that? Right. And we're using terminology sometimes that we're assuming. Right. They know the definition of it. And it's
1: confusing Um, too, because the kids, my kids, and when I was a kid and my parents were going through a divorce, we were like professional eavesdroppers. And so we were you know, like listening from the third floor, or like, if my parents would go outside, we'd like go to the door and you hear all these terms, but you don't know what they mean. And then you assume that they're way worse than what they are. Like, what is a reconciliation? Yeah. Like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, we just don't, know. Yeah. So I feel like getting ahead of, you know, with the terminology and just getting ahead of some of the feelings that you might feel is a really good way to operate sort of through that tough time.
0: Yeah. And that eavesdropping part too in there. I, yeah, I think that's also a good reminder for parents that, you know, even if the kids aren't in the room and you've decided to split, but you're still like, you know, you've said many times, Jen, for a lot of your clients right now, they've decided to split, but because of COVID and whatever else, they're still living in the same house, which can be like very volatile. So even if the kids aren't in the room, there's a good chance that they can hear what you're saying or even just hear, like pick up on the tone or the volume and know that things are not good. So just just to be really like careful and pick and choose when you're going to discuss, you know, some potentially like conflict causing topics. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They do pick up on tone and, and like your vibe and everything. And even my kids, when we were in the middle of our separation, if I got a text from my ex-husband during this, Particularly tough time, you know. My face was like, man. Mm, I'd start texting like a maniac, and they'd be like, "Mom, yeah, what are, And I'm like, <laughs> they can they <beat> see <laughs> without you even saying, you know, your your mood, your face, your eyes, they know. So yeah. yeah, we have to protect them as much as we can. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, and you know, say something occasionally. But you know, it's a really good practice to try to keep things light, collaborative, and positive if at all possible. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you've written this book as a you know kid to kid guide, which was interesting
1: too. What prompted you to write it in, in that style? So I thought that, well my kids with the journals and all the talking that we did, um, you know, hearing hearing it from their perspective, and actually through their voice i think is way more effective than just telling you know a story about a, a dinosaur and a family that d- is divorced like it it's more real like when it when it's really coming from a child's perspective and maybe there's a little sass maybe there's a little humor maybe there's a little language that might be more you know geared towards kids then they can see themselves mirrored in the book and then they can relate to it a little bit more so that's why I mm-hmm. wrote it that way. Um and I have heard that a, a lot of kids really like that because then they feel like they're not alone. And it's not a dinosaur that's getting divorced. It's like a real family and the kids are real people. And and it, you can see like okay, maybe maybe this is going to be hard. Maybe I'm going to have these feelings and that's okay and here's, you know, how some people get through it. So it just I try to do everything. Everything that I write is, you know, motivated by some type of real tough topic that children encounter. And I just feel like their voice and their voices being heard is just more effective. And I've heard people call that bibliotherapy. So um, I've heard a few people have said it's like bibliotherapy. Like it's a, it's basically a true story but kind of turned into a therapeutic fiction type of book. And that just reading that is a bit therapeutic. So we'll see. Yeah,
2: you can recognize your own situation and then yeah, write about it. I like how you did include um, some of the negative sides of it. I think that in some other books that I've seen and dialogue about it, and I think that I see with my clients, they feel this need to paint it with this really positive right. Hey, mommy, this is going to be fine. Um, (laughs) and I feel like the kids are probably thinking, well, I'm not fine. (laughs) I'm not happy. So then they can't recognize and express their own feelings. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to watch your parents go through a divorce. I know from personal experience and one of the hardest things when I was going through it was when my parents went to that point of like dating and moving on and, you know, bringing other people into our lives. And the same thing happened with our family just too soon, like too soon is just not good, no matter how you spin it, because it's really a trauma for most kids. And you can try and sugarcoat it if you want, but that's not gonna, I just don't think that is authentic and it's not reality because. Most divorces are not, you know, squeaky clean and happy and friendly. So if we can give parents and kids tools to sort of cope and talk, you know, that's the best we can do. And then hopefully they get therapy and find people like you. So, (laughs) yeah.
2: Well, I think yeah, just letting them uh, it be a safe place. I think that if mom is mom or dad are just only projecting all positive, yeah. then they're not going to feel like they can approach them and say like, "Hey, this is really hard for me," and this is, yeah. And I try to normalize with my clients too, and I love that the idea with the book of journaling and a longer discussion. That I think also there's this. Um, Misconception that we're going to have this like one big conversation where we're going to sit down the kids <laughs> yeah. and say it's divorce. We're divorcing. It's divorcing. Right? And <laughs> then, like we're not going to talk about it anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and they have to get that conversation right. And how is that talk going to go? And what's going to happen? So, um, I love normalizing like, hey, this is an ongoing dialogue. Right. Open. Right. Open.
1: I mean, I think that's really important for kids because. If you're clear with them, and you do it in a gradual, very you know sensitive way, if you can sort of reduce reduce the pain, that that might help. But you know, just coming up and saying, "So, kids, we're getting divorced, and <laughs> let's sit on the couch and let's talk about it for ten yeah. minutes. Here's a book. Good luck." We, that's not <laughs> what we want to do. Um, and I, I just <laughs> suggest to everybody that like I've had a lot of friends go through divorce and people, parents I talk with, you know, everybody spends their time doing the whole like marriage counseling before the divorce, because they're trying maybe not to get divorced, or maybe they're trying to get validation so that they can get divorced. And then everybody stops the counseling. And I think the most important time to get counseling That's is like point. after you get divorced, because it's a, I, I won't swear, but it it's, it's kind of crazy to try to think that like, two people that have lived together are going to function Without any transition and smoothly, just like boom and snap of a finger, let's divide mm-hmm. the house. Everybody cross your fingers and it's going to be fine. Uh, So, yeah, and then you know, and during as like, well, yeah, right? It's, it's like tough. during the whole process. Yeah, I mean, I
0: like. I wasted a lot of money, like becoming a puddle in my lawyer's office and like crying to her. And that was not the right place, right? Like she couldn't do anything for me. And uh, yeah, like therapy Yeah. Did did she tell
1: you that uh, she was becoming the puddle or did she let you be the puddle?
0: (laughs) No, she was, she was very blunt, which I really appreciated at the, at the time she was like, I know you're upset. This okay. is not the place. You're wasting <laughs> yeah. your money, yeah. or just your retainers is flying out the window. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean you can get go, yourself together and you go, go see your therapist. To, like, serious
1: <laughs> debt with the whole like you know, the whole divorce thing. If you don't do it collaboratively, and if you use your ther- your, your lawyer as a therapist, you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars before you know it. So yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, and it's what I try to stress in mediation that it's important to me that you get this agreement, which can become your legal agreement, but it's also just as important to me that we talk about that soft side of the communication skills and okay, we've, you know, we've got this um, access schedule, but like, how's it gonna work? And how, Mm -hmm. you know, and we talk about that side too. So that's a little bit more in that therapy side to give them tools to make it workable into the future.
1: And I think people tend to, uh, to people tend when they're in, when they're in the like clutches of it, they, they tend to think that it's always gonna be this hard and everybody's always gonna be this mad and we're always gonna have to engage like this crazy be mean to it. But eventually once the feelings settle down and people stop engaging and they find that, there's like this little magic thing, like, you know know when you're like, I don't know if you guys run, but if I run and I make it three miles, then like the rest of the run seems easy. It's like that runner's high. And I yeah. swear this happened with me yeah. because once, once this person that caused all the trouble was out of our situation and we got back to just being like friends with children who, you know, we were still a family, all the anger just calmed down and everybody started working together. So it's not necessarily going to be as hard as it is at any given time in a divorce. It's just, it's not going to stay the same for sure.
2: Yeah
1: a lot. So like on that note,
0: um, I know we definitely want to hear a little bit more about your own experience and um, parental alienation, but maybe just to lean on you, Jennifer, a little bit, just because I know some people who are listening right now may have no idea even what that is or haven't experienced it or maybe about to experience it and they don't know. So can you just ex- like define that? A little bit. Yeah,
2: I think um, parental alienation can be a little bit of a controversial topic because I think people throw it out often um, as yes. a term when there's can be sort of any kind of negative um, discussion about the other parent or something like that. But when we see true parental alienation, it would be sort of this insidious, like um, blocking phone calls, mm-hmm. you know, making it hard for there to be communication between the parents, making it difficult for the schedule to be workable, just like... And then, of course, talking negatively, kind of the the poisoning idea um, about the other parent. But I think it becomes really important to um, unpack it a little bit Mm because sometimes we see that there's actually stuff going on, especially with older kids. I see a lot of parents, the older kids are kind of pulling away from one parent who maybe was acting kind of jerky during (laughs) the divorce. And so rather than that parent kind of taking responsibility for the fact that, like, hey, that 16-year-old doesn't really want to hang out at your house mm-hmm. because of how you've been acting. They yep, blame, sure. you know, right. mom or dad, right? So, um, but for sure it happens, but that's why I think it's it's a bit of a controversial topic when people...
1: Yeah, and I think um, just, it it's funny with us, um, in my experience, it started very small. So it started with, like, eye rolls and saying, like, mm-hmm mom never gets your baseball pants clean or, you know, just little digs and little digs. And and then it develops into like this beast where you can't, you can't reclaim the relationship you, and when it happens, you know, if you're the victim of it, I, you want to fight and you want to just like dig in and get the lawyer and all of that. But you know, that didn't help either. It's really just, one of these things where like the person that's doing the alienating has to stop the behavior and it took a guardian at lightum to be hired in our case to literally tell my ex-husband like this isn't okay you need to go to therapy we're not doing this like it was so blatant that as soon as and he didn't realize it is the other thing like he's a good guy at heart and this person that he got involved with wasn't (laughs) And so he, you know, you fall in love, Um, you have a new partner, and you start to just, your mind goes in different places. Yeah, he didn't, I don't think Mm -hmm. he ever intended for it to go as far as it did. But once someone said to him, hey, this is wrong, this is why it's wrong, and here's how you need to fix it, he fixed it immediately. And that's the thing about, like, Mm -hmm. people throwing around the parent alienation thing. If you don't know what you're doing, and you don't know what it is, and you're not even aware of it, that's the problem. So somebody's got to be able to speak up. And sometimes it's a kid. One of my kids, <laughs> one yeah. of my kids in the middle of all this is like, I'm dad, you, you know, you're talking crap about mom again in front of all of us. And sometimes mm-hmm. something like that will stop it. But we, we had, help. we had a lot of help yeah. and we needed it. We needed, we needed a big family therapist to really rein everybody in after all of that. And we got through it.
2: Right, right. I think one of the pieces that I've I don't even know who said this, maybe in my training or something, that when you're speaking bad like when one parent's speaking bad about the other parent, that it's half your child, right? So you're saying that about your kid, really. Like they're going to internalize those negative comments. They do.
1: Even they do. And what's what's also really tough is that when it goes on for long enough, my daughter and I we had like our relationship break apart for about a year and a half. And
0: it was, it was wow. terrible.
1: I, I had all these projections like, oh, I'm never going to get to go to her wedding. I won't be, you know, like I really snowballed the whole thing, but yeah. we're fine now. That's it's scary, sad though. and it's scary, scary. scary, but yeah. what's, what nobody thinks about when they're doing it is the effect that it has on her. So, you know, she was a young teenager yeah. and she was manipulated, very much brainwashed and it was really like an all in attempt to get her to like be not involved with me because that is really the way to hurt me the most, obviously to try to take. And, right. uh, so she still struggles with guilt. She carries around guilt that she treated me poorly or that. And, you know, I always say to her, Hey, you know, you were just a kid. This is not your fault. You yeah. were tricked. You were this definitely not your fault and I forgive you and let, let's move yeah. on. Um, there shouldn't yeah. be any shame. I don't personally think. Like, if this does happen, you got to no. let it go and just get right back to your relationship. Yeah.
0: Well, good for you too. Like, I know she's your daughter and you love her endlessly, obviously. But good for you too for like having the capacity to just let it go and and move forward. It took a lot of
1: yoga. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> hey, whatever works. I was gonna say there's
2: worse things. Yeah. There's worse
0: things. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Well, I know like, we definitely want to have you back on Kimberly to talk about your other book. Um, so I was talking to Jennifer before we started recording just about the link between, um, sexual abuse and, uh, and, and kids being at higher risk if their parents are separated or going through divorce. So we will definitely have you back, but for the time being, and I'm going to include all of this in the show notes for our listeners, but where can folks purchase this wonderful book that I strongly <laughs> encourage you. parents and children to read together and how can they So
1: they you? can go to com and there's a bookshop right on there and I they can order the books directly from me and I can sign them and ship them direct to anybody who buys one and I haven't put it up yet but I was gonna add a coupon for your um for your show for anybody that listens it they can use a coupon and get 20% off. So I'll let you know the details on it. Oh, yeah. We're
0: done. Okay. Thank you so much. That would be amazing. This will take, it'll take a couple of weeks to perfect. be edited and, and put up. So we'll have perfect. time for that. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you again so much. And thank you for making writing this book and having it as an incredible resource and tool. Um, for for parents out there it's needed I appreciate uh you having me on and
1: I have been referring you all to my friends that are are going forward through all this stuff because you know it there is a little bit of a need to keep some humor and lightheartedness about it and if you can see somebody that's ahead of you you know like you are almost like a, a mentor and a guide to help people like not go so nuts about this topic and live, keep it real. Yeah, hold on to
0: yeah. some hope. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, yeah, and Jennifer's on
1: TikTok Are now, you? too. So look yeah. out, TikTok yeah. world. Yeah. I'll yeah. have to find you and follow you. I just figured the trick. Well, yes. I, yeah, okay, perfect. Well,
0: thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again, Kimberly. Yeah, we'll okay. talk to you soon.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.